Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, hello. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Andy Barons. Join today... Not by my usual early week pod partner, Scott Pianowski, uh, but in fact, by Matt Harmon. He knows he knows football things. Uh, You know, the last time I spoke with Matt, he was he was lightly buzzed and unmarried. And today he's as far as I know, he's had no beers, uh, but uh, but he's somebody's spouse. So congratulations. How's the first week? Thank you. This will be the first day uh, I, I mean, fingers crossed, have no beers uh, for, for since the <laughs> wedding, basically. No, uh, it was awesome. So much fun. Uh, the event obviously was great. Uh, and I'm very I know we both uh, my my wife. Now I get to say my wife, you know, actually, Andy, the first person I said my wife too. Um, I thought it was this like big moment. It was actually somebody dropping off like a DoorDash order to our Airbnb <laughs> at the like. <laughs> At, the, at, like, at Palm Springs after the wedding, and uh, that that guy could not have cared less. I was like, "Yeah, I know, it's just it's for me and my wife." And he's like, "Okay, great, don't care." <laughs> so uh, hopefully, it landed better for everybody else out there listening. But yeah, great time. I know we are both now uh, feeling almost like a sense of well, a little bit of dread this morning because we have to go back to real life now. But uh, a yeah. lot of relief that 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 the whole thing is is a. Uh, you know, it's it's weird. Like, I feel like I experienced 60 percent of what happened on that day. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll just try to get the pictures and, and try to relive it. Yeah, we were talking about that. It's a weird day, right? Because it's spheres of your life that never intersect. And then all of a yes. sudden they're all in the same room together. Yeah. At one point I, after the rehearsal dinner, one of um, my wife's friends, boyfriends was talking to my Aunt Linda and I was like, I just got to take like a really blurry picture of this from across the room because this is so bizarre. So, yeah, that was very uh, on the nose, on point uh, advice that you gave me leading into it. Yeah, it wasn't really advice. There's nothing you can do to fix it. There's nothing you can kind of try to mentally prepare for it. But there's no, you know, there, there's no, no wrapping your head around it until you see Aunt Linda with somebody that Aunt Linda should absolutely not be speaking with. Well, uh, congratulations <laughs> again and welcome back to podcasting. Uh, there, there is really, it turns out not a whole lot going on in the NFL at this moment. Not a whole lot happened while you were away, but that doesn't mean that we don't have things to discuss today. Matt and I, we each made secret lists. That's always fun when you make a secret list. So we're, we're here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to reveal, uh, uh, each of us, the five teams, the five NFL teams that we find most interesting right at this moment here in May. 
way ahead of anything that matters, way ahead of camps, way ahead of preseason. Um, these teams could be uninteresting by the time camps open. That's always possible. Uh, so we're going to do a little countdown thing. And uh, we're going we're gonna to start with the squads that we find most compelling, and then we're going to work our way back. Matt, um, he hates ranks. So if you don't want to consider these ranks, <laughs> that's fine. You can give us your tiers. Don't care. We just got to name five of them. Uh, we're probably going to have some overlap here. If we if we don't, uh, it's going to be a long pod. Um, so here's here's yeah, we got a little bit of overlap. Um, Matt, who is let's let's start let's start right at the top. Who is your most interesting NFL team of 2022? Yeah, most interesting team for me is the Denver Broncos. Obviously, uh, I would be. Are they on your list or are they not on your list? They are. Well. I uh, truth be told, I came up with a list that was slightly longer than five. Um, I've got a couple of honorable mentions. They're one of my honorable mentions. I actually part of me thinks that they're not interesting because they're just going to be better. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. But that in and of itself is very interesting, right? Like we're going from the Drew Locke versus Joe Flacco versus Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater sort of debates yeah. of years past. And now this is actually you know, this is pretty interesting. You know, now we've got Russell Wilson, of course. And although here's the thing that I find the most interesting about them, especially when it comes to fantasy, is that I'm hyped that Cortland Sutton has Russell Wilson. I'm hyped that Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy are now paired with, you know, real quarterbacks for the first time in forever. Um, Javante Williams, like he, watching him play, that gets me going. Uh, Albert O should be like the obvious breakout tight end or whatever. But I'm looking at it, I'm like, I, I don't really know that I feel super compelled to draft any of these players because <laughs> I, I think I don't like I don't know. I if you have a bullish case for why Russell Wilson's really going to hit it off with Cortland Sutton over Jerry Judy, I'm probably not buying it. On the flip side, if you have a really bullish case for where, uh, you know, Jerry Judy and Russell Wilson are going to vibe harder than he is with Cortland Sutton. I'm probably not buying that either. You know, the fact that we have legit ancillary targets like Tim Patrick and um, obviously uh, Albert O as well and Greg Dolchik, who they drafted, you know, in the third round too. Like that kind of leads me to be a little less excited about the top end target shares. And of course, now that Melvin Gordon's back with the Broncos too. Yeah. I, I just can't see where I'm going to be super bullish and like really ahead of ADP on any of these guys, despite the fact I think they're interesting. One of the things that I think makes this team most interesting is that it feels like, you know, and I don't want to I don't want to do too much comparing of this year to last year. It feels like the Sutton Judy decision has the potential to be like the Cups Wood decision, Woods decision, right? Like not not that magnitude, like n neither right. one of these guys is going to go for 1900 yards and, and 140 catches um, and triple crown uh, the receivers. But like somebody's going to be a wide receiver one here. Um, and, and the other guy probably has a soft landing as a wide receiver too, if he stays healthy, but I'm, I'm with you in that. I cannot make a, I've got Sutton a little bit ahead, but the only reason I have Sutton a little bit ahead is because I've already seen Cortland Sutton have an 1100 yard season. He did it with Joe Flacco and drew Locke. And if you can do that, you get a lot of credit in my book. Um, so, I, but I, listen, I think Jerry Judy's great. And if Jerry Judy proves to be the right answer in Denver, that wouldn't shock me. I think the other thing that is that is interesting about this team, and I know it's a it's a topic that I brought up a few times on the podcast, but Russell didn't run at all last year. So like Russell yeah. took himself, he checked out of the dual threat quarterback club and, and uh, we, we need him back in it. Like he can, obviously he can still be a top 10 guy, but Russell's any case for Russell Wilson to finish as like the QB one involves him running for 500 yards and five touchdowns and that you know the the guy we saw last year just wasn't interested in doing that yeah it feels kind of like that's a bit of a 
a long gone version of Russ, at least, you know, I mean, obviously he's getting older. I think part of it is uh, you sort of have to do a little bit of psychoanalysis with Russell Wilson, which is scary to do um, because for two, for two <laughs> reasons here. Number one, like I think he has said, or at least, you know, his camp, his people have put out there that he wants to be viewed as like a Drew Brees, you know, one of these great passing quarterbacks. And I think that's probably part of the reason that he has run less is he wants to put up these passing stats. It's probably part of why there was friction between him and, and, and the Seahawks brass in general. Um, I also think too, you know, every offense that's ever come through Seattle, you know, whether it's obviously, you know, we've, we've had a, a Sean McVay offshoot come through there with Shane Waldron the last year or so, uh, you know, before that it's been Brian shot, like all these offenses basically turned to the Russell Wilson offense. So is, is yeah. Denver just going to become the Russell Wilson offense too? Because that was a big part of like why Nathaniel Hackett worked so well with Aaron Rodgers is they sort of met in the middle there from what they wanted to do. And obviously Matt LaFleur is a big part of that too, but is there going to be any meeting in the middle with Russell Wilson? Because pretty much it's been, you know, for, for offensive coordinators to Russell Wilson, it's been you come you come 10 and I'll go 90 with Russell. There. <laughs> That's true. How how do you have uh, Judy and Sutton ranked right now? Not that anybody's holding you to your May ranks. Nobody's right. doing that. Sure. Yeah, of course. Not at all. Um, again, I don't have either one of them in an area that I'm screaming like, this is the guy you need to draft. Uh, I, I think I have Jerry Judy. I mean, you know, it's been a while since I've looked at the rankings. It's been like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think I'll be a little bit more ahead on Judy than Sutton just because I think there is still untapped potential uh, with Jerry Judy. I don't like all these dorks that are so anti Jerry Judy and like want to really say that route running doesn't matter. Look, Jerry Judy's not been great so far. See, route running doesn't matter. It's like, well, it might be, you know, a little bit worth having the asterisks that he had a high ankle sprain last year. He's also playing played with like the stone worst quarterback play yeah. in the entire NFL for some of this stretch here. So I don't hold too much of um, some. There's been some areas where he can certainly get better, uh, but I still think there's some untapped potential there that we haven't seen yet where Cortland Sutton, he does have that ceiling that we've seen before, but it was also several years ago. There was an injury in between there. I don't think he looked quite the same last year as he did at his peak form, but um, both very good players. I'm, I'm not real bullish one way or another on this case okay i'm gonna give you my most interesting team of 2022 and um they they grab the top spot here because almost almost everything is new it's the miami dolphins uh this team added no particular order they added teron armstead uh tyree kill uh chase edmonds cedric wilson raheem mostert sony michelle completely transformed the offense Uh, mike mcdaniel hired as the new head coach he's from the shanahan tree uh, former Niners uh, OC and, and run game coordinator, right? He's held all the titles. Um, it is a, it is weirdly all of a sudden they they managed to create a a no excuses environment for Tua, right? And he had a lot of he had plenty of excuses last year. Um, rarely pushed the ball downfield, didn't do it well, but also only rarely had time. Um, terrible offensive line last season that is that is clearly going to be better. Um, I, is it league average with arms? It's good he's a wall um so that's fantastic um the difference of opinion that you'll find on Tua both uh with with mainstream analysts within the fantasy world it's pretty wild so I don't totally know what to expect I feel like I've seen moments with Tua where you can kind of squint and see a, a quarterback who could really lead a dangerous offense but again there's just no you know, they have everything now. They have a full cupboard of running backs. They have a, they have a full covered at, at receiver. Um, they've, they've got a line. This is all on Tua. 
but sometimes, um, and maybe you can speak to this, like we always, you know, Scott and I make this point all the time that the NFL is, is such a continuity league. They have none of it, right? Like this is one of those, it rarely happens this way, this dramatically. This is new head coach, new coaching staff, new terminology, new everything, new receivers. Everybody's just meeting everybody for the first time. Um, that can really screw up a month or two. So I, I don't know. What's your read on this team? Were they on your list? Yeah, I don't have them on my list. And almost that I sort of had to decide between them and Denver in that same vein of like, this is a very interesting collection of players, but sort of like with the Broncos, I'm not sure I'm that gassed up about drafting anybody here, you know, yeah, for fantasy. Yeah. Um, it, it is just, you mentioned the continuity point. The only thing that remains the same is, well, I mean, obviously Mike Gusecki's there too, but Tua and, and Jalen Waddle, that connection I still think is really bankable. But I mean, how, how are you, how can you be very, very excited about Jalen Waddle when they added a top five receiver in the league in Tyree Kill? I mean, <laughs> I and the quarterback is still, and I think Tua can be, you know, I compared him to Andy Dalton last year going back and forth. I think it was with Evan Silva on Twitter and like Dolphins fans hated that comparison for whatever reason. I think because Andy Dalton has become, thanks to your team, I can't wait to get the Bears on this list, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> He's become a bit of a meme the last couple of years. Uh, but like yeah. at his peak, Andy Dalton, you know, 2015 was a guy who went along for a great ride with a bunch of, uh, you know, really talented players. And I feel like we could see. And by the way, Andy Dalton was great in fantasy that year. I think it was, it yep. was 2015. You know, we could see sort of that type of year out of Tua this year. I think it's a very fair comparison. Um, but obviously, there was always an untapped ceiling with or a ceiling that was never going to be tapped with with Andy Dalton. Maybe that's there with Tua. I, I don't know. But, you know, I, I say all this to say, like, it, it's still Tua, right? Like, it's not just it's not a Justin Herbert type. It's not a, a guy, this guy that we assume is going to be the rising tide that lifts all boats. And there's a hell of a lot of boats here that need lifting yeah i'm not sure that Tua can but like i've got tyree kill and waddle both ranked as uh top 20 receivers i don't know that Tua can support two like viable absolutely every week you know wide receiver twos i've had a mil at this point now i've had a between like magazine mock drafts and best balls and whatnot like i've had plenty of drafts I don't, I don't know if I've taken a dolphin. Like I, it hasn't right, been Hill. Right. Every time I still, I see Tyree kills name next in my queue. I, I veered to another position. So haven't taken him yet, but I'm super interested in this team and, and where they go from here. Who is your second most interesting team? Uh, I've got the Eagles for second most interesting um, because this is a team I can really sell my, myself on, you know, there's a lot of questions I got with the dolphins and Broncos who we talked about already. The Eagles on the other hand, obviously with Jalen hurts, like he can be a smash fantasy quarterback, even if he's not great um, because of the rushing ability. We know that, but I am, I'm like obsessed with this Devonte Smith, AJ Brown pairing um, even more. So actually going back <laughs> and reviewing both of these guys from last year. And I had a question, you know, to myself after they traded AJ Brown, I probably said this on our, you know, draft recap podcast, they traded for AJ Brown, you know, Devonte Smith, basically they ran him out as like a pure X receiver last year. You know, the guy that never moves around, you know, for the most part, tethered to the line of scrimmage, sees a ton of press man coverage. And he was great in that role. You know, he gets open all over the field. That's awesome. But AJ Brown, I think at his peak can be a, you know, true number one X receiver. Then I watched what the Titans did with AJ Brown last year. And I think they were sort of being amenable to the fact that Julio Jones was there and like, Let's just we're not going to have Julio Jones change teams at this point in his career and become 
a different player. You know, we're going to use him as that ISO X receiver because that's what he's used to doing. So AJ Brown moved to flanker a little bit. He moved around pre-snap. He, he got used out of the slot a decent amount. And I kind of feel like because AJ Brown brings like the yak ability, uh, more explosion in the open field than Smith will. They're built super differently. Obviously I kind of feel like Brown will be in that role, which leads me to be a little more. And again, I'm just, I'm speculating here, but I feel like that leads me to be a little bit more uh, optimistic about what Brown could do for this team. Obviously love Smith, the player, both of these guys I think could be really good this year. You know, and then they have a good tight end Dallas Goddard. They, you know, have a, a guy in Miles Sanders who I, I can totally talk myself on, you know, after a bad touchdown luck season, like buying into if this yeah. offense takes another step behind a really good offensive line. But I mean, I don't know. I, I could easily be getting too excited about a team with a lot of moving parts. And again, just like with the Dolphins, a quarterback that I don't you know, fully believe in at all to be that rising tide that lifts all boats here. Yeah, they were in my they were in my five most interesting as well. Um, so much of this is about is about Jalen Hurts, obviously, who um, he's he's the one guy that I would flag at quarterback who uh, his range of outcomes is anywhere from from QB one to like, yeah, loses his job midway through the season. Right. <laughs> um, like that. You see, that's... just before we started recording, they tried to sign Nick Foles. So, like, I mean, I know, I know. Um, I mean, he dodged so many bullets like in the draft, right? Like they were linked to other quarterbacks. Yes. They didn't take one. They, you know, obviously Deshaun doesn't go there. So they, they, he's dodged so many bullets to this point. And like, if Foles is the thing that, that were to undo him, that would, that would really be something, but like his classic, Philly, you know, yeah. It's it's still you know he can't have that many games at last year's level as a passer and um and continue in that role, but he's just like he's unfair as a as a fantasy option as long as he has that role and as long as they're running as much as they did last season he was terrific. The other thing that I think is is really interesting here and you saw um on the on the night that the AJ Brown deal happened. It was as if, and I understood it, like the, your reflex is, oh, this is really bad for A.J. Brown. we got to drop A.J. Brown in the ranks. Um, yeah. This is not a good situation. Except that A.J. Brown's never seen a lot of targets. Like, no. so I don't know what to do with that. You know, like, are we, really? We're fretting targets with A.J. Brown? Why, why didn't we care about that when he wasn't getting targets in Tennessee? Like, he's been a 100-target receiver and been great. Um, these are obviously targets perhaps of a perhaps of a lower quality. I don't know. So much perhaps, of this is on right, Hurts, yeah. though. Yeah, I mean, look, great, great receivers fall ass backwards into 100, you know, 110 targets. Like, it's just kind of yeah. I'm not going to fret, fret that too much. Also, you know, I know this was going around a lot on draft night. Well, the only team that ran more than the Tennessee Titans last year was uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. But I think that was a move of necessity, not a move of desire, because we were all out there complaining in the first four weeks that they were throwing the ball too much, you know? Yes. And I think they can meet like I think we this happens all the time in like recapping you know the season or like looking back or whatever we always tend to remember teams in only one section like you either remember them how they started or how they finished and I think everybody is remembering the and nobody forgets about like everybody forgets about the middle part of it I think everybody's kind of focusing on that year-end Eagles team where they were super run heavy super conservative I think they'll be they'll meet in the middle more this year they won't be super pass heavy but they won't be that conservative from a rushing play perspective and on that note too like how good is Jalen Hurts? Obviously, is the question, but I think there's enough here for AJ Brown to get some of his. And two, like 
we're obviously we're all dogging Jalen Hurts sort of from a passing game perspective. But buddy, you're taking some of those like targets that he was throwing to Jalen Rager, and you're now yeah. they're going to be AJ Brown targets. That's a huge yeah. difference. Yeah, it is an absolutely massive difference. There's they're a super interesting team. They definitely belong on this list. Okay, my they weren't they weren't second on my list. They were third on my list, but they're right up there. Um, the number two team on my on my list of most interesting for 2022 was the uh is the San Francisco 49ers. Um you better believe I got them on my list. <laughs> had, had to, right? Like had to. We spent all like all of last season on Fantasy Football Live was a, you know, weekly referendum on uh Brandon Ayuk, right? Like we had we yeah, had Niners right. discussions all the time. <laughs> um it is it is still wild to me that Trey Lance got only two starts last season. It is it is equally wild that an injured Jimmy Garoppolo played ahead of him. Um I mean that man, the Niners traded two they they traded first round picks in 2022. In 2023, they they swapped first round picks last year for a guy who like couldn't or didn't or or wasn't just never gonna take the job from Jimmy G. So he has to be right. great. And we've seen so little of him. Debo doesn't want to be there. Maybe he does want to be there. Maybe he just doesn't want to be a running back. That's not known. The head coach sometimes appears to hate his best players. Uh, what, what else? George Kittle, uh, finished the season averaging, I think it was over, over maybe his last seven games. If you include the playoffs, he wasn't even seeing five targets a game. That's a guy who has a, like, it wasn't that long ago that George Kittle set the single season record for receiving yards at his position. The man had nearly 1400 receiving yards and he was, he was barely a rumor as a, as a receiver by the end of last year. It's a crazy team. Are we still going to see Elijah Mitchell as the guy in the backfield? We probably do. Um, we have to fret about, you know, you, you want to talk about the the team beat writers. I won't name any of them who failed us last year. Um, the Niners beat writers, not not giving us the, you know, like we didn't know until week one that Brandon Ayuk wasn't even going to have a role um, early in the season. Right. We didn't we didn't know till week one that like Elijah Mitchell was was the guy backing up Raheem Mostert. So like there were so many unknowns. They're so tight lipped. Um, it is a really interesting team and Trey Lance had better be great. Like I, I, oh man, who was the guy I dropped him for? I, I held Trey Lance, you know, I was a big believer in Trey Lance and I, I made the Jalen Hurts ish sort oh, yeah. of case for him. And I held on to him in a bunch of leagues. I was in a, I was in a, a keeper league where I, I held, uh, I held Trey Lance up until, I don't know what week this was week 13, something like that. Whatever, whatever week Tyler Higby hit the COVID list late and Kendall Blanton became my only option at tight end. I ended up drop. <laughs> I kept Trey Lance all season and dropped him. That's for a Kendall long, Blanton. that is a long way. That's a long, a way. long heart like that. My friends is maximizing draft value right there. Um, yeah. So the Niners are just a <laughs> Niners are just a wild team this year and quarterback isn't even settled yet, which is crazy to me. No, I mean, they would be, I mean, I'm sure listeners of this podcast guy be like, for, I'm so glad you said the 49ers before it came to me. <laughs> I'm sure the people out there that listen to this show are disgusted that it's, you know, about to be summer. And I'm, you know, saying that I mean, we got to talk about the 49ers because that's an interesting team because I did that for months last year. And I love that, you know, I know I don't always want to give like the industry. I'm pretty rare to want to give the entire industry like a pass or certainly give myself a pass. But what? I mean, one one blurb, one NBC Sports Edge, you know, posts <laughs> from any beat writer out there that said there's a chance that Elijah Mitchell takes this job from Trey Sermon. I'm like 
one blurb and nobody is taking Trey Sermon in like the sixth, seventh round. So I completely right. give myself a pass for that. Same, same sort of similar thing with the Ayuk thing, although obviously he showed he could play, you know, from week weeks eight to whatever, the end of the season, he was a top 20 producer. Nobody, nobody knew that was coming either. So that, that frustration alone, that like the specter of that hanging over us and the quarterback stuff alone would make this a, a, a very interesting team, but the running back depth chart is insane right now. You mentioned Elijah Mitchell's there, uh, Tyrion Davis Price, who they drafted in the third round. Trey Sermon is obviously still there. Jeff Wilson is still hanging around this team. Um, you know, who's the unknown that's going to come in here and take snaps yeah. at some point? So that makes it very fascinating. Obviously, Debo holding out is very fascinating as well. And you know, I think just like we said about Jalen Hurts, if Trey Lance starts the full season, he's going to moonwalk to a top 10 finish at quarterback, no matter how ugly the passing part of it is. So I think Trey Lance is going to be a good quarterback. I've got, I've got faith in him. And then at the same time though, Jimmy G is still on this roster and that makes him interesting too, because as much as there, obviously I think there's, what would you say? There's like a 10, 15% chance that Jimmy starts week one. Like I, as long as he remains Which on the roster. Wild. Like again, wild. Traded, it's absurd. It's absurd. They traded three first round picks for Trey Lance. And yeah, there's a non-trivial chance that he won't start week one of his second season. That is incredible. I like, I feel like I hit him with a lot of negativity there at the top and, and you know, but last season obviously left a, a bad taste, but you're right. If he just plays, if he just starts, I mean, that that guy had like one of his two starts last year. Didn't he didn't he run the ball like 16 times? I mean, there's no way to screw that up yeah. for fantasy if you're any good at all. So, yeah, he can be he can absolutely still be a league winner. He probably won't be a league winner on any of my rosters necessarily because I'm still a little bit scarred. Uh, give me uh, I don't know where the Niners were on your list, but give me the give me the next team up. They would have been next up on this list. And like I said, I thank you very much for being the one to bring them up so that I didn't have to. Last night, last thing on the Niners, too, like if Jimmy does get traded, he's going to make some other team really interested because as much as we're like yep. dogging Jimmy, he's a starting level quarterback. The Panthers with Jimmy Garoppolo are looking a lot better than like the Panthers with Sam Darnold and Matt Corral. Like that's not that's not a plan. Uh, anyways, next team up on my list is the Kansas City Chiefs. They're an interesting team uh, for me because like other than Mahomes and Kelsey, this pass catching core is entirely been turned and McCole Hardman is still there for sure. And like McCole Hardman actually could be a decent pick in fantasy this year. Like I don't think McCole Hardman is as bad. And I think he's like an average, been an average player so far through his yeah. career. Uh, he certainly has made some mistakes, but I think people are more, there's a lot of burnt takes there with him. Like, you know, people drafted him in the eighth round and they, they got absolutely nothing out of it even though you should probably be ready and willing to get nothing out of your eight, eighth round picks more often than you want to admit. But yeah, I think he could be a factor this year. Juju and MVS, such a strange combination there. They gave all this money to MVS, not that much to Juju, despite the fact Juju's got you know a pedigree there and should theoretically fit in with kind of what they need is like a big slot short to intermediate guy that they haven't really had before. Love, love Sky Moore as a prospect, but is he going to be ready to make a big jump in year one? There's a lot. Uh, to talk about in this pass catching core, there's a lot of people that are already like battening down the hatches that I've noticed on on Twitter, like and ready to be in the Sky Moore camp or the Juju camp or the MBS camp or the, the two people in the Hardman camp. So like there's 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 people like ready to to tell you which one is the best pick at ADP, and I have no idea how that's <laughs> going to work out. And meanwhile, obviously, like this and the other cases, like we're talking about some. I think Sky Moore is is going to be a, a great player at some point. But for the most part, we're talking about goofball level receivers here on the other end of a great quarterback, which is the, sort of the inverse 
of what we talked about with Miami, where there's so many new faces. Yeah. Um, the receivers aren't the appealing part. The appealing part is that they do have the rising tide that lifts all boats there in all of these, in Patrick Mahomes on the other end of all of these guys here. And also, by the way, like CEH might be a great post hype sleeper. I hate to say it, but um, you know, that, that's one thing, one news blurb I did catch while being out for the last couple of weeks uh, in the lead up and aftermath of the wedding. Is it like, you know, CEH was down like 160 pounds after gallbladder surgery last year or something like, and you know, Juju, I mean, uh, Ronald Jones, they didn't pay that guy very much money. So like, no, there's a chance with all of this receiving turnover, maybe. And, and the thing with CEH this year is you don't have to draft him in the second round. He's, you know, like a, a pretty low ranked running back. So I don't know. Pretty interesting to talk about this whole team, and I have no idea how it's going to pan out. Yeah, I actually think that the 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 thing that tips it in for the Chiefs and makes them a really strong candidate for this list is that the backfield is like quietly maybe as unsettled as the receiving core, and we have n- no flipping idea what to do with the receiving core, right? Like I've got Juju on top <laughs> yeah. based on the fact that he's he's at least Same. been good at one time. Hardman is so tough for me um, because you can like you can see the talent and you can see. Mahomes level of interest in making him something over the years there is still there has always been every Chiefs game there is one moment where Mahomes clearly expects uh, McCall Hardman to be somewhere other than where he is right like they they haven't shaken that yet um but that but like who cares if he's getting eight targets a game that's not going to matter anymore if you're getting if you're getting four targets a game it's a huge deal but um at, at higher volume it wouldn't be so I've got I've got Juju a bit higher and I've clearly got him higher than almost anyone does. Um, you know, he's he's one of those guys who in like best ball and, and mock drafts, I am landing and I'm landing him at a at a place where like I don't even I don't even see a lot of risk to it because it's as you say, it's like that seventh, eighth round where like I don't care if I cut that guy. That's a if that's right, a whiff, cares, that, yeah. that's fine. Um, there's going to be a lot of whiffs. Um, so I'm not I'm not particularly burnt by it, but super interesting team. They didn't make my five, but they were really close and they were definitely under consideration. The next team on my list, though, is in the same division. The whole, I mean, we could have named the whole division, right? Yeah, like, and, right, and we, maybe we will. Maybe we'll get to every team in this division. But um, <laughs> the the next one for me is the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, and yep. and we have we have to start by reminding people that last year was just an absolute <laughs> storm for the Raiders, right? Like, seriously, yeah. <laughs> like all the things went wrong. Um, it's wild they made the postseason. And then they gave the Bengals all they could handle in the postseason. They are, you mentioned earlier, the the notion of replacing Jalen Rager with A.J. Brown and the, that that magnitude of upgrade. Well, the Raiders are replacing Zay Jones with Devontae Adams, which is pretty good. Ostensibly, pretty decent upgrade. Uh, yeah. What is this team's level of commitment to to Josh Jacobs? I actually find that really interesting. Like, Jacobs has gained 1,200 scrimmage yards every year of his career. Um, If you look at, you know, with the exception of the year where he basically played through injury in a second season, he was a, he was a huge missed tackle guy as a rookie, huge missed tackle guy last year. Like he's right there with Nick Chubb and Javante Williams in terms of missed tackles force last season. Um, But I feel like, I feel like Josh Jacobs has taught me that people only situationally care about advanced stats in football because they love to tell you how many missed tackles Javante Williams forced, and they will never talk to you about Josh Jacobs being good. He's like secretly oh, 100%. good. Hundred um, percent. Even even though he's like right there on the list with the, with the guy. Um, anyway, like, but but I say all these nice things about Josh Jacobs, and the team didn't even pick up his fifth year, uh, and then they and then they yeah. draft Samir White. So like, 
what's the plan there? Is that is that already underway? Is like is Josh Jacobs in a competition for touches? He might be. That's kind of wild to me. Uh, and oh yeah, they have a new head coach, and it's and it's Josh McDaniels who I did not think would ever be a head coach <laughs> again. Right? Like um, after after passing on a job that he had accepted, he brings uh, he brings Lombardi with him. Um, it's just there's a lot of new stuff here, but the the new stuff is really exciting. People have heard me talk already about Derek Carr and the setup for Derek Carr. I can't. it's hard to believe how productive he was and how disrespected he was last year. Like that guy averaged over 280 passing yards a game throwing to nobody. I mean, they had the, the rug situation. Waller was out. Everybody was out. It was just Carr and Renfro. And, you know, he made something of Josh Jacobs as a receiver. That was interesting. So there's just, there's a lot of unknowns here and it is clearly a team that is, uh, that is going for it over the next two or three years during this, uh, during whatever, for whatever period Carr and Adams are, are together. They're going for it in in just an impossible division. I'm kicking myself because I'm pretty sure like when we got the email from uh, producer John being like, you got to have five teams. I was like, oh, the Raiders are definitely on my five and they're not. I, I left them <laughs> off here. Uh, 32 teams. I forget about this one. Uh, but yeah, no, you, Andy, you know how there's like uh, there's like three or four classic tropes that everybody on fantasy Twitter who's like desperate for engagement, like throws out there like <laughs> at least twice a week, uh, one of which is the. You know, it's this keeps happening. It's like none of you care or whatever. It's like Josh Jacobs uh, has had three twelve hundred plus yard from scrimmage seasons, and it's like none of you really care. And I'm like, yeah, the chief among them is that the Raiders don't care. They decline yeah, the fifth year yeah. option. And it's like it's it's so it's so strange. Um, and then too, like Devonte Adams, I think he's a he's an interesting player to talk about because I mean I think he is no question, no doubt about it, the the best the best receiver in the league right now. Um, he's been on an unparalleled run from an individual standpoint too. anybody that even hints at the idea that he's a product of Aaron Rodgers is just admitting they don't watch the games, right? Like yeah. clearly saying that, but obviously there's a downgrade going from, and from a pure statistical perspective, he's probably not going to do what he did with the Packers because there's a slight downgrade from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr, but how much of an, a downgrade really? It's like, it's not as if, we're talking about Tyreek Hill going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua. And I'm not saying that to be disrespect, disrespectful to Tua, but like, I think we know for sure Derek Carr is a top 12, top 10 ish quarterback in the league. Yeah. Like it's not as if he's, he's going to an above average quarterback right now. So that could still lead me to have Devonte Adams as a, as a top five, like right around number five in terms of rankings, like, and still be very in on him, you know, because I think there's a chance this offense could be really good. The offensive line certainly could be, have, could have been tweaked a little more, but Hunter Renfro is, is damn good as a slot receiver. You know, Darren Waller is a really good tight end. They've got a three headed monster there from a receiving standpoint that can do a lot of damage. So I do find that I'm with you. I find this team very, very interesting. Yeah, super interesting. I think the I think the key for Adams, fantasy wise anyway, and and for Carr as well, is whether he's used in in somewhat the same way that Rodgers would use him, like almost as a almost as a goal line back, right? Like he got yeah, 100%. you know, so many. And I I don't mean this as uh, being dismissive of Rodgers in any way, but uh, man, that guy's had a lot of like one, two, and three yard touchdown passes over the last couple seasons a ton of them to to Devontae Adams, right? So if if the Raiders pick up on that, if they utilize the fact that Devontae Adams 
is open when he's single covered. If they utilize the fact that Devontae Adams is is open off the snap of the football so often, like um, he can really be a goal line factor, and that would be a huge game changer for Carr. Okay, give me your. I don't even know where we're at now. Is it is this the fourth team on your list? Fifteen. Yeah, this, this is my final. Yeah, this is my final team because we had an overlap with the Forty uh, ers there. My last one. Damn, the Detroit Lions. Kind of interesting. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, and it's weird too. I, I would love to know where you stand on Amon Ross St. Brown because he seems as if he's become like weirdly the most controversial player in, in fantasy football circles. And I, I don't really, I don't really get it. So like, start, let's start there. Where do you, where do you, how do you feel about uh, St. Brown? Um, I think he's pretty strong. Can't like, would it satisfy people if like, would it satisfy the, the zealots, the Amon Ross St. Brown zealots, if, if he finished this season with like, 85 catches and and a thousand yards because that seems in play for me i yeah i don't i don't know that that's i don't know that that's everything they want i feel like they want 100 110 catches um they want 1300 they want him to be the centerpiece of the offense and like you know swift is a really good player and hawkinson's a really good player and they got some outside guys now and there's there's just more here and I, it is it is a simple fact that when that when saint brown really popped last year they were running out of dudes um and that was that was part of the story it wasn't the whole story because he was great like he was absolutely great. And once that once that's out in the world, you can't take it back. Um, he's going to continue to be great. I think he's a really good player who is probably not looking at the almost unlimited volume that he saw um, in certain games late last season. Yeah, I mean, I think if anybody is making an argument that he's going to be like a 30 percent target share like guy like he was at the end of last year, I think they're kidding themselves. Like there's just no yeah. way that that's going to happen. But is he really being ranked that way? Is he really being drafted that way? That's like when it comes time to, you know, put pen to paper in August, I, I tend to doubt he's like a, I mean, the receiver is just so hard to project, but I tend to doubt he's like a top 20 drafted receiver. And, you know, if he's going to be a low end wide receiver too, I think that's fine. I do think, I mean, I think the, the tough part about trying to, like you said, perfect way to say it is like you can't put that genie back in the bottle right because they were running out of dudes but they were also winning games there towards the end (laughs) of the year you know they finished 500 in the last four weeks and that's kind of coincides with st brown being great i also think like god that's just such a great quarterback proof role and by the way like I've made this comparison a hundred times. I'm sure people are sick of it, but even before he got drafted, I said he could be like a Bud Light Cooper Cup player. (laughs) He went and was a Bud Light Cooper Cup at the end of last year for the guy in Jared Goff who came to love, you know, that layup role that Cooper Cup brought for the early Rams. So I don't know. I I do find myself trending more towards the positive side than I don't really get. I don't really understand what the negative side would be. I mean, I think he's going to be probably he's probably the lock to not lock but he's probably the odds on favorite to lead the team in targets i would say i mean he's shown as much as i i know we can't speak negatively about iowa tight ends here um <laughs> you know i mean he's he's shown more flashes of special ability than uh tj yeah. hawkinson has but deandre swift is really going to be a big factor there too so i don't know the the thing that i think is so interesting about this team is obviously saint brown's an interesting guy to discuss but Shoot, you just look at him on paper. When Jameson Williams is healthy, you know, at some point this year, they're they're really set up well because the line rocks. If Swift is healthy, they've got a good one A back, and I think Jamal Williams obviously is a nice change of pace. You know, Jared Goff, like people, like similar to the Jimmy G thing and the Andy Dalton thing that we talked about earlier, people have bagged on Jared Goff, but it's not as if Jared Goff outright stinks. Like he can get guys numbers, so players yeah. like St. Brown. Williams when he's ready Hawkinson and Swift like 
he's good enough to support these guys in fantasy, which I think makes them all really, really intriguing where they're going to go in drafts. Yeah, Goff has already cleared that bar, and and you know Derek Carr is in that club as well. And like, obviously, they are not players who are you know top five quarterbacks necessarily, but the, it's a really important bar all, to clear yeah. in fantasy that you can that you can support multiple viable fantasy receivers, right? And we don't know that right. two is there, even though he's got two brand name guys uh, uh, who are going to be lining up next to him. Um, but we do know that Jared Goff is there. He's done it before. He's done it multiple times. So he's sort of he's sort of in that club. The other thing about the Lions is they're just like. Campbell's fun. Um, it's it's yeah. weird to think of the Lions all of a sudden as being this really fun team. And I and then I also think that, you know, we're going to at some point, maybe it never happens, but at some point, DeAndre Swift is going to stay mostly healthy for a full season. And what will that look like? Like, he, right. he I mean, he could have caught, I don't know, the way things started last year. If you'd told me early on that DeAndre Swift is going to finish with 90 receptions and lead all running backs and catches, I would have been like, yeah, that's. That's happening. Yeah. Looks like that's happening. And then it, obviously that got derailed. Um, but if that guy gives us a season where he stays healthy, is it 1800 scrimmage yards and 90 catches? It seems like that's, it seems like that's in his range of outcomes. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think he's a very fascinating player too. And yeah, there's a lot of ways that the lines could have ended last year, I guess like, yeah, Swift could have ended with that type of season that we never see the St. Brown breakout happen. But now I just kind of wonder how much we can go back on and what it's going to look like. And, you know, they changed play callers halfway through the year too. Like they threw Anthony, Anthony Lynn, like, you know, way out the club at this point. So yeah, yeah, it's a very interesting group there with Dan Campbell. And they were pretty progressive, I think in their play calling and especially the way they designed things for St. Brown, I think has me very excited about the future of this offense. So I'll give you my I'll give you my last team here, and um, I'll also throw out like some of the honorable mentions. Right, I could could have talked about Green Bay. I think that still feels unsettled. Um, it's wild that they have like 240 vacated receiver targets, and they've only replaced that with Watson and and Sammy Watkins. That's crazy to me. Um, could have talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think a lot is interesting there with the new coaching staff coming in. Um, Instead, I'm going to talk about a different team that I don't think is going to be any good. But there's there's just a ton of open questions with Atlanta. Um, um, mm. um, th- and this is again, this is purely for fantasy. I'm not. Am I super interested in what happens to Atlanta in real life? In that they're going to contend for? No, I don't think they're going to no. contend for anything. But we've got a possible Marcus Mariota reclamation story, unless. Unless Ritter's their guy, um, but but he was only drafted in the third round, so it's not really a big deal if he doesn't get to play. But if he does get to play, he's interesting. Both quarterbacks here have a little bit of a rushing element to their game. They have these. They've put together this this collection of just enormous receivers, right? Um, they they bring in Drake London. Who else have they added? They added uh, on Tate, right? He's six five. London is six. They traded five. for Brian Edwards, right? They trade for Brian Edwards. He's like six four, six five. They've got Kyle Pitts, six five. So they've got this collection of giant receivers. What does Kyle Pitts do in year two? Um, if you were, you know, it basically, if you came into last season thinking that Kyle Pitts is going to transform the the tight end position and he's going to be this transcendent talent, you've got some things to hang your hat on. But he he hasn't reinvented it yet. You know, he had a he had a nice season in terms of yardage. Didn't really visit the end zone. That's not all on him. But it was like it was a good, not great season. Um, if he takes another step, though, it all of a sudden we're talking about a guy who's who's maybe finishing with 1,200, 1,300 yards. You know, what, what happens to the touchdowns? What's his role in the in the red zone? And then I, I don't know what the backfield looks like either, because uh, Cordero Patterson was like they they made him into a viable running back. 
for a long stretch. And by the end of the season, Patterson was basically just a running back. Like we'd been talking about him as this, as this hybrid character. And then by the end of the year, he was basically just a running back. And now they draft Tyler Algier, who I think is pretty interesting. He might be a thing, but they drafted him late. If he never sees the field that maybe a, a fifth round pick, not seeing the field isn't completely uh, out of bounds. I like, I don't know. I don't know. So I don't know what the backfield looks like. I don't know what the quarterback position looks like. I don't totally know the receiving hierarchy, but I'm super interested in Atlanta. If we were doing our most interesting, where are guys going to line up power rankings? I think the Falcons <laughs> would probably be yeah, like number yeah. one on that list or they, they'd be up there for sure because the amount that's going to be available to Arthur Smith in terms of positional versatility between Kyle Pitts and Drake London, really interesting. And obviously they have the you know mr positional versatility in cordero patterson as well so i think they could be really fascinating you know the defense is probably still going to stink uh which is good news for us in fantasy that we just want to see them sort of in negative game script um you know marcus mariota has admittedly i mean he was the most like put you to sleep quarterback during the end of his titans run but has been pretty damn exciting when he's gotten on the field uh for the raiders so i think there's a lot i think there's a lot here i'm a big drake london fan i can't wait to see how they use him and like typically if you bet on you know the last few years if you bet on like top 10 receivers you're probably making a pretty good bet there you know guys drafted in that range especially guys who just check so many boxes i like drake london does so there's a lot of questions here i'm not sure this team is going to be very good i mean i'm pretty convinced this team's not going to be very good and like you know there's a lot of ways this can go to hell but uh i certainly think they're going to be an interesting (laughs) fantasy team okay so give me your take on drake london relative to the other the other rookie receivers um he he strikes me as interesting in in a a number of ways one of them is that he was like a you know often got characterized as a contested catch guy in in college which is like kind of damning with faint praise for a college receiver right because all things considered you'd rather have those guys have uncontested catches because they're so damn good because nobody can get near them so uh, in terms of, and obviously he's he was very different from most of the other high end receiving prospects, too. So this isn't even a fair question. I'm giving you a totally unfair question and asking you to rank him alongside guys who probably won't play the same role. But do it. <laughs> no, I th- I thought he was the best receiver in the draft. Like if there was a guy I was going to make the bullish case for, I think it was Drake London because, yeah, he has a lot of contested catches. He gets thrown into a lot of contested situations by some of the quarterback play at USC last year. Um, so I think that that wasn't really a knock to me. I think he can absolutely separate and get open, especially against zone coverage, where I think he's going to, you know, again, be put in a lot of those positions. I comped him similarly to a guy like there, there's a lot of like a wide range with him because he's a bit of an odd player, too, in that. He's a big bodied guy that sort of sometimes strikes you as a Mike Evans type doesn't really play like Mike Evans, especially in like the speed dimension there, like certainly not as freaky, but from like a bend and fluidity perspective, there's a little bit of like Brandon Marshall, Michael Thomas type uh, ability there. Um, Like I think he could catch just a a ton of passes this year in Atlanta because he can get open on slants, curls underneath routes like that. And also they they really used him in a lot of ways to like get the ball in his hands too at USC like manufactured touches. I think he had like you know three plus screen targets per game last year because they were just like we need to get we stink on offense. We need to get this guy the ball uh quickly <laughs> and he was great after the catch with it too. It wasn't as if he yeah. was, you know, just a stone zero there. So I liked Drake London a lot. I think he was the number one receiver in the draft and I obviously went to a place where he could just get a ton of targets this year alongside Kyle Pitts. Oh, those are some good names that you threw out. That's I like to I like to close a podcast with some optimism on a young player. That's a that's a good way to wrap this thing up. And that 
is going to do it for us in this episode. Uh, you guys should be following him on Twitter, certainly. He's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. I am merely at Andy Barons. Follow us while you're there. Please make sure that you're also following at Yahoo Fantasy. Liz and Dalton, of course, going to be back later in the week with another episode. Until then, we are out.